listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode 38. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Angela, from Angela Henderson Consulting, and as always, thank you so much for being here. Now, I've been in business for over eight years now, and it breaks my heart knowing that 97% of female startups fail within the first five years. I was asked about 18 months ago by the state government of Queensland, Australia, if I would be willing to come on board as one of their business mentors for their mentoring for growth program, specifically around their advancing women in business strategy. Why? Because the data they've collected clearly states that women in business report that they have less access to grants, events, and mentoring. And as a result of not having access to these school tools and opportunities, women are in a negative cycle of failing and it continues. It's been a privilege to work directly with the Queensland Mentoring Program as I'm super passionate about supporting women in business to avoid any type of failure. So you can only imagine how excited I am about today's show. Why, you ask? Because Jemima Ashley joins me on today's show where we're talking about the reasons why women in business fail and how women in business can avoid this. Now, before we jump into the chat with Jemima, I just want to remind you that this episode is sponsored by my very active and free Facebook group, the Australian Business Collaborative. If you've been wanting to be connected with like-minded business owners who will help answer your questions, provide you with support, and make you laugh, then you are the perfect candidate for joining the Australian Business Collaborative group. Just head over to Facebook now. I won't make you wait any longer. Let's go ahead and jump into my conversation with Jemima. Welcome to the show, Jemima. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Gosh, well, thank you so much. I know we were just talking prior to the recording how you've had a nice little adventure out to Kmart today. Yeah, really big things are happening in my life. I also had some sushi for lunch. So, uh, you know, big things. Big big things, big important things. So, you know, we're also talking about how I'm in my glitter slippers. You're kicking it with a, do you mean, uh, what do we call them? Buns? Do you mean? We're both rocking the bun today. The messy bun. (laughs) Yeah, messy buns. That's it. So it's always good to connect with, again, a like-minded people who like just to, you know, chill, have a good time. Yeah. Now, I also think it's interesting because Jemima, this is our first time connecting. I mean, we've obviously emailed each other in regards to the show, but besides that, we've never actually met each other in person or no. anywhere else. And I, and as I was researching for the podcast today, there was a thought that went through my mind that potentially we are sisters from another mother because when I was looking up, you, you've got a clear passion to help women in business. In fact, when I was reading about you, that's the reason predominantly why you went into business. You've also completed a master's degree, as I have, and you also started your career more in a corporate role. You were with the Australian Federal Police, and I've been working with government roles here in America and then ended up with Queensland Health. So even though our businesses are very different and we've also had businesses, there's a lot of similarities. And I also like that in your profile photo, you've got a good splash of pink going on because I too love pink. So there's a lot of similarities. So that's why I'm super excited to also have you on here, even though I didn't know that prior to inviting you on. Um, I feel like, did we just become best friends? Is that, the, that, is that like the <laughs> we, litmus test? I like it. Well, we potentially, I'm like, anything you do with pink, corporate masters, you know, educated women, and again, passionate about helping. So, yeah. so excited. Oh, and now, that photo was taken in the US. That pink wall is actually a pink wall in LA. See, there we go again. Another yeah. connection. So even though I am from Canada, though, not the US, but I have lived in the US for many, many years. 
But no, my kind of test that I do every time someone comes on, because I think it's important that the listeners get to know you a little bit, Jemima, before we jump into this heavy stuff about why women in business fail. So can you tell the women in business out there, and and there's male listeners too, something a little bit about you, a little bit about your business, and also what your favorite book is and why? Okay. So uh, Jemima Ashley, I work as a positioning expert now, which is a nice way of saying a very fancy business coach. Um, I specialize in working with women in business. I work with men as well, not, not to exclude you from the conversation. You are definitely needed in this conversation, but I work with women to, to really help them position themselves as the expert in their field as the go-to person to speak to. So I love working with women and I've loved working with women forever. Um, because I think there's something really empowering about helping women because of this value rate of 97% that we've kind of touched on. Um, and I live in Canberra at the moment in Australia in the ACT. I am actually a very rural girl. I grew up in East Gippsland in Victoria, um, then moved to Canada of all places, another full circle moment for us. And, yes, exactly. Um, and uh, was there for a couple of years, then have lived pretty much all over Australia and now the world, given my job in the, in the AP and um, moved to Canberra with um, the work in the Australian Federal Police and then ultimately met my husband. So I'm sort of a bit trapped now. Um, my favorite book is oh man this is like a Sophie's Choice moment because there are so many amazing books um you know I'm gonna go with Bossy Pants by Tina Fey all right and what was what was your key takeaway from that the key takeaway from that is that you can live a life of creativity of things that you love, go to work every day, love it, but it's also, and you can make money and be successful doing that. But one of the key things for me was she was not shy about talking about how much work it was yeah, at good. the same time. It was like real reality check. Like just because you're famous doesn't mean, you know, you're not doing 18, 19, 20 hour days. Mm-hmm. Just because you're well known doesn't mean that doesn't exist. The hustle and the grind still exists no matter where you are in your journey. And that was a beautiful kind of full circle moment for me as well. And I think there are a lot of people out there either looking for the next free thing to get them over the line or the next course that's going to do me and make them a millionaire. But at the end of the day, regardless if you take a course, you still have to put the work into it. Regardless if you put down, you know, uh, or do an opt-in or something like that, it's never, you still have to put the work in, right? So I do find it interesting that I think there's this belief out there that, you know, if you do this, you'll become a millionaire. No, it comes down really to working hard at the end of the day, like you yeah. have to put it in your time. You just, you know, you don't start off in the Australian federal police as you do at, at straight at the top. You start at the bottom and you work your way up the ranks. It's the same thing with Queensland health. It's with any job. So it's no different in the world of being an entrepreneur. Yeah. I think there's a bit, there's something, an argument really to be made for entrepreneurship and success ultimately being a, a numbers game. Yes. I, you know, if, if you and I go head to head for two months, and you do a 100-hour work week and I do a 50-hour work week, 100%, you're going to come out ahead. You did more work than I did ultimately at the end of the day. And again, this is actually one of the huge reasons that women are failing. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And we'll get, we will get into that. And as I was talking to you about this before the show, is that uh, American Express did a survey. And what they found was that there's a 9.1. Now, this is United States data. I couldn't find as good as data here in Australia. So we, I also have listeners around the world for this podcast. So for the purposes of this podcast, American Express did a survey. And they found that 9.1 million women own businesses collectively in the United States. I mean, I was floored that it's 9.1 million, which is a wonderful statistic for women in business. 
But a statistic that's equally as a wow factor for me is that 1,200 women in business launch every single day in the United States, which is awesome, absolutely legendary. But yet, of those 1,200 women, of those 9.1 you know, women-owned businesses, 97% of female startups fail within the first five years. Mm. Now, it's mind-blowing to me. And there has to be something, you know, again... The fact really is that it remains women are failing more often than not in business. Now, before the listeners out there, you know, jump off and like, oh, I can't handle this lady or do you mean what are they talking about? You have to remember that 90, 95% of my clients are women in business. So I'm a huge supporter about women in business. I'm all about it. But the fact still remains the same that there's still a huge percentage of women failing. So Jemima, what are your initial thoughts about that? You know, what are some of the reasons why you're seeing women in business failing? Yeah, so let me just clear something up as well. When we're talking about this 97% of women, that that statistic, we're failing at twice the rate of men. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these are the statistics. I can't argue with this. Like, this is actually what's going on. And I think we're getting clearer and clearer data now that we've got things like social media. Okay, so why are we failing more? Really good question. Um, the first reason that we're failing more is simply just going back to the numbers game because we do 85% of all the household stuff, uh-huh. all the childcare and all of the purchasing in the household. So when we talk about the numbers game, we actually don't have anywhere near the amount of time as our male, our male partners and our male cohorts. Mm-hmm. We are doing all the cleaning, 85% of the cooking, 85% of the household purchasing, the milk, the Christmas presents, the birthday presents. We take the dogs to the vet. We pick up the kids from childcare. We are losing 85% of the amount of time our, our male, you know, our male friends have the have that we just don't have anymore mm-hmm. and again that I think and if you even asked anyone whether or not some would admit it or not it, it just is the way like my husband's still helpful don't get me wrong he takes the kids to school four days a week he does things like that but the ultimate like the school paperwork that comes home you know can you sign this for this excursion can you do this can you arrange the birthday parties you know yeah. all those things I can guarantee that at the end of every day I've got 10 more things on my to-do list for the kids because just when you get done one, there's 10 more things to do. And like I said, even though my husband's very helpful, as I'm sure many people out there listening would agree their husbands are helpful, the reality of it is, is again, it's a numbers game. We're doing the majority yeah. of stuff. And there's, there is a, b- a big difference here on invisible work, invisible work. So the invisible work is things like we have to go to the doctors more frequently because lady parts need more own personal attention than do <laughs> Yeah, like, but you take that four or five hours each year, it adds up. Mm-hmm. We're the ones that mostly entrepreneurs work from home a lot. So we have to do things like we run out of milk, we go and grab it. That's a 15-minute trip. But this stuff adds up. We have to, we get interrupted during a podcast because we have to go and get the mail. These things add up every single day and it, we are doing 85% more. I am not criticizing men out there. I know there are men who are like, I do a minimum 50 and I applaud you. I'm just giving you the statistics of what is currently going on inside everyday homes in Australia. Yep. No, fair enough, Colin. I agree. Like, again, I'm very scientific. I mean, hence, that's what my master's degree is, mental health. As for you, the numbers speak. You know, it's not like Jemima and I have been here today just pulling numbers out of thin air. This is like what the data is reporting. And again, that's what when Queensland Health Mentoring Program asked me, that's what they're saying. Like this data is not lying. We need to make a change. We need to make a shift. So that's number one. So we've got, you know, it's a numbers game. What's your thought? What's, do you mean, why do women, women in business fail? Number two, what are your thoughts about that? 
The next one is for me that we don't get the right tools at the right time. So this comes down to touching on all the free courses and all the things. So we do a couple of different things as women. Um, What we're seeing as trends and specifically in social media statistics, we see women start what I would refer to as a soft business initially and they often look like things like multi-level marketing. Mm-hmm. They often look like, um, and so these generally have a bit of a lifespan on it for some people. So that's one of the reasons. But what people often do is because they're not willing to go fully in, often due to mindset, on their big vision for a business, whether it's starting a fashion label or making jewelry or becoming a silversmith, whatever that looks like for you, they don't put investment and get business coaching or get the right tools at the right time. So they'll go and do a hundred free courses and kind of half ass them rather than pay one really good qualified person to help them get through the first year. They just do the wrong tools at the wrong time. And do you think that's a mindset around that? Oh, hugely focused on mindset and hugely focused on not wanting to bet on themselves. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so why would you say that women are less likely to get a coach from a mindset perspective than a male who would just go, screw it, I'm in? Yeah, and just go, oh, it's totally fine because I think we have been overanalyzed so frequently much like we're having this discussion now but we've been overanalyzed in this situation of we have it's almost a guilt complex that I see so frequently with all my clients of like but I'm worried about investing this money what if I don't get the return in investment what if I do this the kids are going to have to go without we're not going to make it to Disneyland for holidays we're going to have to just go up to the Gold Coast and go to you know dream world or something so it becomes this like it's a self-sacrifice mentality that women have and they want to really not invest financially in themselves so as frequently as some of the male cohorts. So it's a real problem and it's a real mindset issue that we have that we are valuable, we can make this work, and it's often because we've been dismissed, particularly in our corporate careers. And I also would add, I've just come back from the Maldives from my own business mastermind, and again, even when I attended Chris Ducker's a few years ago and, and other events, statistically speaking, like on the Maldives trip, um, for example, there was three women, seven men, because there was only 10 were allowed to go. And of the three women, I was by far the youngest by probably 10 to 15 years, which that's not a difference from that point of view, because any you can get a business at any time. But what I'm saying is, is that I then asked myself, and I, you know, why are do you know what I mean? Is it because we've got kids? You know, like I've got two kids also. Chloe's five mm. and um, Finley's nine. And one of the guys said something along the lines like, you know, oh, so your husband allowed you to come or something like this, like not not meaning to be mean or rude or anything. And I was like, well, and it was like, playing, well, your husband's really great that, you know what I mean? He'll take the kids for you to come on this trip and your husband, wow, that's really awesome. And I'm like, well, hold on a minute. He's a sperm donor too. Like it's not just... Yeah the egg that made this kid right yeah and so again I think there is this you know again and I know we're slightly off topic but the fact is is that men get applauded do you know what I mean because they're staying at home with the kids but as women we're doing that all the time and you don't see that it's again that do you mean how society is perceiving things in the roles of what we do men and women so it was just an interesting question that I had on that particular trip about you know wow your husband's letting you come and to you know Ooh, yeah. great great that do you know what I mean he's got the kids but I'm like hold on he didn't allow me I made that choice myself and two do you know what I mean it's okay that he, that he stays at home so again it's it's interesting I wonder how many people 
have that mom's guilt because I don't have that guilt. I look at it from the point of view is that I'm actually enhancing myself, but I'm equally showing my kids to mean that I'm not just a mom, that I'm someone else. Mm-hmm. That's okay that they stay with their dad. I don't know. What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I think there is this idea of, you know, when, uh, you know, oh, so your husband's babysitting or, you know, you've left and like, yeah, like we're really excited that he will continue to be the children's father. Yes. <laughs> like very old-timing kind of concept about, you know, and we are in a really interesting time in the world right now with everything that's happening across the political situation. We're almost hitting the third wave of feminism if we're not already in that. I think history will go back and we will see this as being a real defining couple of years for the planet um, and the human history. But one of the things that I find really interesting in this is that it's given both, you know, the the pro-women movement and the uh, sort of the the pro-men movement, there wasn't a lot of collaboration in that. Like mm-hmm. There seems to be real, like, people having the divide. I think what we need to get to is, like, if you bring a human into this world, it's 50-50 responsibility at this point, guys. Like, yeah. And we're, we're seeing higher rates and an understanding now of paternity leave rather than just acknowledging maternity. Mm-hmm. Um, we're now seeing men being the state home and the woman can be the breadwinner. And we have to just also take a step back and really, realize that this has only been traditional that women have been in the workforce for the last 30 to 40 years Mm. so we still you know we're still playing a little bit behind the game here just simply in a numbers game and some of the people who are around in the 60s are still in the workforce yes so we have some real institutional um cultures that we have to weed out and some real things that we're going to that we have to change but you know i am it's a very interesting time when my husband hates going to award things, right? He hates it. He's not interested. He is the total opposite of me. He's a total introvert. He's an engineer. He is like, why do I have to talk to these people? I don't want to sit at this table. And people say to me, it's really nice that your husband's let you come out for the night. I'm like, I'm nominated for an award. I'm a finalist. You can, I didn't ask for permission for this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just totally. do what I had to. Like, I have to be here for this. Oh, that's nice. Oh, he's picking you up at the end. Isn't he great? It's like, he's doing the bare minimum. minimum. We should not be applauding the bare minimum. Yeah, no, and again, whether or not you're, do you know what I mean? Again, it's not just men too. Again, you can be in same-sex yeah. relationships also. So again, I think it's about just an equal, do you know what I mean, partnership, however we want to look at that. Now, okay, so yeah, we could probably talk about this again for, for Oh, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. This has gone way more feminist. Yeah. Than, 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 <laughs> than I think yeah. we ever thought. But again, this is why, again, I like having the Business and Life Conversations podcast because sometimes it's important that you have these real conversations and just focus in on, do you know what I mean, learning, you know, Three tips to do X, Y, and Z. So we've talked about, do you mean it's in numbers? 85% of household stuff is, is one of the reasons why women in business fail, that they don't get the right tools at the right time. We've also, you could hone in on a little bit that we've also talked about the mindset element, that there's a, a mindset shift that needs to happen in order for women to be able to then, I guess, access those tools or give themselves permission to actually grow or scale the way mm-hmm. they want to. What other thoughts do you have about why women in business fail? We don't get the right people around us. Yep. Do you want to elaborate a bit more? Yeah. So we have, um, as every entrepreneur and every business owner will have heard, Jim Rohn was famously quoted for saying, we are the sum of the five people we spend the most time with. Mm -hmm. This is, I cannot tell you how important this is. And what I mean by this is often, you know, when we have kids at home and we have life stuff going on, it's very easy to be like, well, between the hours of nine and three, I'm going to work on my business 
And what we forget is that there are other entrepreneurs out there that we can be spending time with. And Mm -hmm. so we have, you know, there is a huge reason that you need to be doing networking. There is a huge reason that you need to be involved in Facebook groups and discussing and learning and doing masterminds and these kinds of things. You need to really analyze the people around you and how supportive they are being of your business. We see, and I'll use myself as an example to be totally fair to everyone here, I worked in law enforcement. I worked as a criminal intelligence analyst. I was very good at what I did. And after 10 years, I said, I'm tired. I am exhausted all the time. I'm in my 30s. I don't want to do this job anymore. I am making a grown-up decision that I want to leave, but I'm going to start a jewelry business and, you know, what would ultimately become a podcast series and what would become, you know, um, doing coaching and and helping people make six figures. And the first thing everyone did was pull me aside to tell me how crazy I was. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't personal on them. This is the part that is really clear. If you are a new person in business, male or female, you will have people around you who are scared for you because That's they true. never lived up to their dream. They never did what they wanted to do. And so you're having to pay that price a little bit. But this is where you have to have a bit of faith in yourself. But if you don't have any other entrepreneurs around you or other people who are in businesses, you're going to find yourself in a really bad place really quickly. You don't have other people who are buying into your dream, believing in what you're doing, can give you assistance when you need it. So the first thing I ask people to do, especially for clients, is ask them to audit who are the people you are spending the most time with. Now, it doesn't have to be physical time. One of the first people that I ever considered to be a mentor for me was Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm -hmm. I watched every video. I listened to every book. I understood what he was saying. I liked where he came from. He was talking about, he talks about the hustle. I'm not big on it, but he does also talk about the grind of you have to work harder than every other person. Get real about it. Figure out how much work you've got to do. Figure out your message. He was very helpful for me. I hadn't met him at that point. I've met him now, but I hadn't met him. He was the person that really believed in me before anyone else did. So it doesn't have to be, you know, your cousin or your neighbor or your partner. It can be other people out there that you just go and get advice from and it can be a one-sided conversation. But you need to be, you know, you need to be networking. You need to get good people around you. You need to listen to podcasts. You need to watch videos. You have to get the right people around you. And I couldn't agree more with that. And I think, again, there's a level of the toxic people, you know, too, yeah. if you, when, after you're done taking that audit and I do something very similar too with my clients is that you, you also don't want to be the smartest person in the room because it's yeah. also hard for you to learn. But again, it, there are going to be, be people bringing you down every single day. You know, even when I was still working full time, uh, people always be like, Oh, so how's it going? You a millionaire yet? How you going? You know, like almost like very passive aggressive. Yes. And it was like those people you have to cut out because like you said, they are wanting what you have. There's a little element of jealousness, you know, that you get to, you know, live your dream, Um, get rid of them. And I couldn't agree more. Surround yourself with positive people. There's a lot of Facebook groups that are a bunch, listen, they're just equally as toxic. You're better off having a group of, I mean, two or three really solid groups that you can go into at all times and get your fix, you know, your daily dose of happiness, again, or support and get rid of the rest. And it's the same thing with friends and family. Mm -hmm. If their Facebook feeds are annoying you or they're like Debbie Danners or they're complaining about work or having to go to, you know, oh, it's Monday again, just like block their feed. You know, just you don't have to see it. But again, it comes down to women need to take action. You know, then you can sit there and whine about it, but if you don't do anything about it, you're still going to be in that negative cycle. 
And networking, I talk also to Jemima about people, you don't have to go and spend tens of thousands of dollars on masterminds. There's an enormous amount of free networking groups. But what I say to people is, Position yourself in a networking group where it's going to grow your business. I, when I first started years ago, I would go to these networking groups, but there's nothing, I was getting nothing from it. I was the one giving, but not getting much in return. So now I strategically look at where can I go that I can help people, but equally I get some benefit from going, you know, and I don't, they are many free events that you can attend. Yeah. And I think it's really important with networking is to understand that again, just going back to numbers here is that each person you can, a lot of people make a mistake when they do networking and going in with a transactional, transactional thinking. Yes. So yes. we're going like, hi, and I'm doing an mastermind. Are you down to, do you want a spot in it? Rather yeah. than going, hey, I know you're, you have at least a thousand friends on Facebook and you have a huge mailing list. And is there a way we can collaborate? Exactly right. Because, so a really big thing here is figuring out who, where is your ideal client already spending money? Yeah. 100%. And yeah. again, you don't, like I use this analogy all the time, but you don't go to the bar and ask someone to go to the bathroom and sleep with them. Yeah, exactly. You don't, you don't jump from that to that. And it's the same thing with networking. I, I actually tell people when they come to my own networking events, leave your business cards at home. Yeah. Like, like what do you mean? Like, and they get quite, like, quite anxious. Like, what do you mean? You know, I thought I was going to, and I'm like, trust me, there will be plenty of opportunity for you guys do you know what I mean to leave a memorable, do you know what I mean, experience in these people's brains and you can follow up? Do not bring your business card. Yeah. And just, it's really, it really does then change it. Like I'm not trying to sell to you, but what I want to do is figure out how can, how can we help each other here? Mm-hmm. Yep. So again, listen, so women in business can obviously fail for multiple reasons and we could probably list a bunch. But again, I think the three that you've honed in on are really important about it's a numbers game, not right tools, and they're not surrounding themselves and are networking appropriately. Mm-hmm. So what would you suggest women can do to avoid falling into this cycle of women in business failing? So I think the big thing is get, figure out the first thing you need to do is figure out what you want to do because I cannot even explain to you and you would say the same thing that how many people who have been in business for more than 12, 18, two years, like they have not established what they do and what they want to do. Yes. Be clear on what you want. And when, why I say this is important is that I'm going to use a real example again. I have a client who is an actor and he has given me permission to, to tell this story because I think it's so poignant about being honest about what you want. And he said to me, he's a male client, he said to me, um, I want to be a well-known Australian actor. And I was like, great, that's fantastic. And I said, what does that look like? Get clear on it, right? He's like, I'm a neighbours or home in a way. I was like, great, pick one, let's work on that. Within sort of the first three weeks of me working with him, we went to a party and sometimes guys can take a little while to confess up what they want. And he looked at me and he goes, I've changed my mind. I want to win an Academy Award. Yep. And he looked at me and he's like, you're not laughing. And I said, I don't think you're kidding. Now here's the problem. And this is so, it's just a human thing that we do, but we downplay the things we want in case we don't get it. Yes. If he confesses, I want an Academy Award and he doesn't get it, he's worried I'm going to judge. I, I'm not going to judge anyone. Have it, whatever you want. Be as unrealistic. If you want to be an international bestseller 40 times over, if you want to be, you know, the next Gary Vee, you want to be um, Prime Minister of Australia, you want to be president. I think we've all proved in the US anyone can do anything that they want to do, right? (laughs) So here's the thing. You have to be clear on what you actually want. Mm -hmm. So that's the first place. And when you know 
what you want, you need to find the people around you that are aiming for the same place. And it can be ridiculous. This is the thing. It shouldn't sound good to other people. You telling me I want to lose 50 kilos right now so I can date a really, really hot girl, that's motivation. (laughs) You've got an end goal in mind. I want to go and do, I'm going to go and write a book in six weeks. You can go, you can actually physically do that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Get really clear, get focused on what you want. And we, you know, women renowned for not thinking big. We're just like, I would like 10 clients because that would pay for my holidays. No, if you want a million dollars, say it, but know why you're saying a million. Then you can reverse engineer it. When you know what you want, you then now need to know who do you have to be around? If you want to be a big fashion label and you want to create the new, you want to start the new David Jones or the new Myers, great. But you have to start hanging out with the people who already own that or are heading in that same area. Exactly right. And that's why I guess when you look at things like networking, if you go to networking events again, which is a great starting point is good that it's free. That's cool. But the mentality around that is going to be very different than when I paid to go on the Maldives trip with James Shremko, right? Like yeah. it's just oh, yeah. different mindset, right? I mean, people are paying high quality. I mean, that trip was probably 10 grand altogether mm. to go over there for seven days, but you were at people who are spending a hundred thousand dollars a month on Facebook ads. It's a different level of people and you can see what you can have, you know, your motivation is different. Your strategy is different. Everything is different. So again, I can't agree enough with you that again, be clear on what you want. If you can be clear on what you want and be truly honest with it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's imperative for your overall growth. Yeah. And then you can start to reverse like who are the people I need in my room and more importantly, what tools do I need around me? Because if, if you're, if you do go to a free networking event, you have to start there. If you haven't done a networking event before, I urge you to go to a free one, but expect a lot of transactional thinking, expect a lot of people who just want to sell you their product and move on. And you will immediately meet someone as you walk through the door who will ask you things like, do you want to get fit and healthy? Hey, have you, are you taking any supplements? Do you want to join up to my juice plus program? Or you will immediately have people inundating you with just one transactional request. Yes. When you start investing, you know, five, six hundred dollars plus thousands of dollars into networking, you will just simply meet with a different level of person. Yes. And also, can I also just put a disclaimer about networking events? You also go to events who like Gary Vee comes over, they bring him to the US, you pay $30 for a ticket. You have to remember that there's events where they've got to pay to get Gary Vee over here. That, like that's inevitable but then they've got people in between the big shots do you know what I mean where they're like and run to the back of the room you must do you know I mean sign up for my things please mm. please don't do that please don't like yeah. save your dollars to genuinely save your money because that's a scarcity tactic and even though scarcity tactics are necessary in some do you know I mean form of your business yeah. not that way because they psychologically get you thinking that that and it's like that fear of missing out that everyone runs to the back of the room finally seven they come home I don't know how many clients before they came to me were like yeah I did that yep if I did that just again think about that because you don't really do you know what yeah. I mean I, yeah, I have been to those events. There are there are a couple in Australia that are renowned for it. I did a speaking gig in LA recently where I didn't sell anything from stage. And yes. every single other person was like, run to the back of the room, sign up to this thing. And then a clock starts on the screen. Yes. Time's running out. I was like, what is this? Because it's a real different mentality. And I think we are seeing a shift to it in Australia. I'm not a fan of it because it is so dangerous. And if you're someone who gets sucked into these things, because we all know those people, go and just do a very basic, get a basic understanding of neuro-linguistic programming and you will never fall for it again. Yeah, never, ever, ever, ever. You will see it a hundred times over. 
Yeah. So any, any other tips that you can give women in business to avoid failing um, before we wrap up for the day? Yes. The absolute, my absolute favorite one. And anyone that knows my stuff knows that I just hammer about this. You need to take care of yourself during this process. Mm -hmm. You, I want to be very clear that while I use the idea that you have one life, like this is not a dress rehearsal as an inspirational tool for, you know, do what you need to do to make yourself happy. I mean this wholeheartedly that we only have one life and we specifically only have one body. So if we are doing, and I'm I'm not not, not trying to talk you out of doing 80 hour work weeks, I'm not going to try to do that because I do it. But I also know that it was okay for me to turn up today in sweatpants Yes, and my hair in a bun. I don't have to always be looking the part for the things that I'm doing. I can be successful without having to invest thousands of dollars and time and energy into my outfits and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I can um, take a day off when I need to if my immune system has taken a hit. Yes. I can sleep in occasionally. Self-care is never selfish when it comes to yourself and it comes mm-hmm. to business. So be very mindful of that because we only get one body and honestly, health is just paramount in this game. You listen, as someone, as a mental health clinician, many of those who have followed me for the years know, yeah, I'm a huge fan about self-care, both physically and from a mental health point of view. Mm-hmm. Again, I go on and on that if you broke your leg, you'd go and get help. If you broke your arm, you would go and get help. But, you know, if you are feeling anxious because running a business does bring, do you know what I mean, anxiety for the most part, you know, mm-hmm. it can lead to low mo- moods, etc. get the help that you need because if you can't take care of yourself, there's no way you're going to be able to take care of your business. Oh, exactly. And it's, it's so incredibly vital. So incredibly vital. Yeah, for those of those, uh, those listeners out there that like to get to know you a little bit more, where can they find you, Jemima? Yeah, you can find me over at JemimaAshley.com and also on Facebook and most of the other social media platforms. All right, perfect. And do you have any exciting plans for the near future? Yes, I am looking forward to 2019 for world domination. That's going to be like my big goal. Uh-huh. Um, but my, um, I'm also running a couple of retreats next year. So I'm going to be running two in Bali. Perfect. Uh, one's going to be in February 2019 and then in June 2019. Uh-huh. And then probably September, you're going to find me in Los Angeles chilling out there, running another couple of retreats. Dude, fantastic. It sounds like 2019 is going to be gold for you. Yeah, I'm really, really just hoping, like really just putting myself near beaches at this point. <laughs> I love a good beach. So no, I like, I like where you're going with that. Now listen, for the rest of those out there, just remember that my team and I will also be putting together the whole transcription for this episode at AngelaHenderson.com.au. And of course, I cover all sorts of related business and life topics inside my Facebook group, the Australian Business Collaborative. But Jemima, as always, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate your wealth of knowledge the listeners around the world and I look forward to connecting with all of you very soon thank you for having me greatly appreciate it thanks for listening to the business and life conversations podcast with Angela Henderson www.angelahenderson.com.au